Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Melissa Guller, and we are going to be talking all about podcasting, how to start a podcast, all the different things about podcasting. So for those of you who might want to start your own or thinking about it, this is a really great episode for you to, to learn, uh, you know, what it takes to, uh, to get one started. And before I bring Melissa on, I'm just going to give you a quick intro on who she is. Melissa Guller is a course creator, podcast producer, and the CEO of wit and wire, where she helps online business owners build their authority and reach a wider audience through podcasting. She's produced multiple top 50 podcasts, hosted over a hundred podcast episodes and her podcast, everything is teachable topped the charts as the number two career podcast in America. Bigger picture, Melissa loves to teach entrepreneurs. She's a top rated instructor at General Assembly NYC and on Skillshare. And she previously worked full-time for Ramit Sethi uh, and Teachable. To date, she's helped nearly 2000 podcasters through her Wit and Wire programs. And she's on a mission to help more diverse business owners earn money online doing work they love. Please welcome Melissa to the show. Hi. Hi, Heather. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm so happy to have you. And before we jump in, I'm going to ask you an icebreaker question, which is, uh, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Ooh, well, I think that chocolate chip is hard to beat, but I will say I live in New York and Levain bakery has this massive, like it's famous across the city. It's gooey on the inside as though it hasn't been all the way baked but it's very crispy on the outside and it's like the size of your hand. So I have fond memories of picking up these cookies because the original Levine is by Central Park and walking around with friends and eating cookies. Oh, so fun. Uh, I, the New York style cookies are huge. I, I love black and white cookies. I like the size so of good. my face. They're so good. <laughs> we love to make food as big as possible here. Oh yeah. I'm from Texas. So I get that too. So. Oh, you get it. Same thing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the steaks here, just insane. So, well, so you're in New York city and you specialize in podcasting and a lot of my, uh, my listeners, my clients are mom business owners. And I've been asked multiple times how to start a podcast, what it takes. And so I'm hoping that you'll be able to shed some light on, on that subject. Um, so a lot of people worry that the podcast space is too saturated to get started. Is that true? Yeah, this is such a big concern that holds a lot of new hosts back, especially because Apple this year announced that they have over 2 million podcasts. It feels like such a big number, but a couple of reasons why I don't believe this is a true thing at all. First is that there may be 2 million podcasts, but half of them don't have more than three episodes. So they're either inactive or they never really got off the ground. So already that number feels smaller, but even if in your mind, you're still thinking oh, a million podcasts, that's so many. There are 600 million blogs and people still continue to start blogs all the time. So from a strict like numbers nerd perspective, there's plenty of opportunity, but to get to the real heart of the question, I think it's about, should I really start this podcast? If someone out there is already doing it, she has a bigger audience than me. She's maybe more of an expert. 
And my answer to that is that other podcasts on your topic validate demand. So it's actually a good thing. If you see other parenting, other yoga, other health and wellness podcasts, that shows that there are listeners. But the thing that'll set you apart is your perspective, whether it's your background as let's say a single parent, that's a unique take in a parenting space. Maybe it's that you have a certain professional training or professional background that lends itself to a topic, or maybe it's just your own personal story and your upbringing. We all have something about us that's special and unique that'll speak to exactly our listener. So I'm all about creating the podcast for exactly the right person. And it does not matter if there are other shows on the topic. If that was true, we would have only one true crime podcast, Serial. But instead, there are dozens, hundreds, probably thousands of true crime shows because Serial was popular, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Because I think a lot of uh, my clients that we, we look at social media, that's where I specialize in. And so they see everybody else posting the same thing or talking about it. So then they feel like either one, like I shouldn't post because it's too saturated and everyone's going to be tired of seeing it. Or it's like almost, it's just... um it just, it's, it's disheartening to see that someone else is doing it. It's like, well, I need to be different. Let me figure it out. And then it ends up, nothing happens at all. And so I thinking of that being saturated and the blog numbers that you just spit out were, were incredible. It's so different. And I also say Instagram and the algorithms don't help our self-esteem as business owners for many no. reasons. But I think one of them is that we follow people to hone our craft. I follow a lot of podcasting experts, online business experts, course creation experts. And sometimes I forget that not everyone sees all these posts. Like, I feel like everyone is talking about the same thing. I feel like all I see are podcast launch tips, but for a lot of people just getting into podcasting, they've never seen a single social media post on that topic. So we can't forget that social media is echoing back what we search for. Correct. And I think you'd be shocked by how many people have absolutely no idea what all of the skills and tips that you have to offer are. They've never heard of them ever. Absolutely. I tell them that all the time that when you're posting things and you have common followers that are prob probably at the same MLM or same space as you, you're seeing the same thing because you're selling the same thing because you follow each other because you're supporting each other, which means we're going to see it all, which means the right people aren't seeing it because they're seeing it. They don't, they're not going to buy from you or call you or hire you. So it's important to remember that what we see on our feed is not what everyone else is seeing. It's important to still deliver what it is that you really want to come across, like get across, right? Exactly. And so uh, 2021, you know, podcasting, I'm, you know, big boom from the, you know, pandemic and everything like that. Well, what's changing about it in 2021? And um, are there strategies that are no longer working? There are a few. One of the biggest strategies of the 2018, even a few years earlier era of podcasting is that there is this part of Apple called new and noteworthy. And there are countless blog posts written about how the goal during your first eight weeks as a new podcast is to get into new and noteworthy so that you can build your audience. But what I think not a lot of hosts realize is that first of all, that chart is gone. They do have one called new and noteworthy, but it's very different. It's curated by Apple. You basically have to be a network show in order to get into it, or you have to know someone at Apple, mm -hmm. but even the charts are not what they used to be. Like when I was hosting and producing teachables podcast, we became the number two career podcast in the U S but when that happened, our numbers didn't change at all. So hitting the charts is a sign of growth. It isn't a cause of growth. So then that begs the question, how do I build my podcast audience? And I want, what I want more people to realize is that podcasting is not 
an algorithm the way that social media is. Like it's true that maybe you go into Apple or Spotify, maybe you search for something like productivity podcast and see what comes up. But where I find podcasts and where I think many of us find our favorite shows is either through a recommendation from a friend. It's because you found somebody online and they happen to have a podcast. You don't remember even how you came across them, but you've discovered they have a podcast and you start to tune in. And so creating your podcast and then building your audience is much more similar to blogging or building a business than it is to building an audience on social media or YouTube. And YouTube is not a better strategy than podcasting, but it's much different. YouTube has a keyword strategy. There are algorithms. People go to YouTube. There is a search bar. They search for their problems answer and they find it. And although I think that YouTube has a lot of great qualities, I don't necessarily think that you hook people in. Like I'll find a YouTube video, solve my problem, leave, never come back to that creator. Right. But where podcasting really shines is long-term relationships with people. They're listening to you for 20, 30, 60 minutes. You become a core part of people's weekly routine. And the trust that you can build with podcasters is unlike any other content platform I've used. And that's why podcast listeners are buyers. So I think that's a huge mistake people don't really understand is that the growth of your podcast is not based on gaming some kind of algorithm. Right. I completely agree. And what things, you know, worked before are definitely different now, especially social media has such a high, uh, we put high value on it because that was the only way that we could, you know, connect at, you know, for a whole year and a half. And some are still having to connect that way. Um, so if you're starting a podcast and you have a small audience, like how do you monetize their shows without, you know, say sponsorships or any type of, you know, ways of doing it that way, because, you know, I have a podcast, everyone looks to monetize it, whether that be through freebie links or, um, you know, you get ads or sponsors or whatever it is. Uh, that's typically the goal. There's courses and courses and coaches and all sorts of things about how to monetize your podcast. Yeah. I think the biggest definition I can share that's helpful is understanding the difference between indirect and direct monetization for your podcast. Direct monetization means you are being paid for the podcast itself. So the most well-known is traditional sponsorship, where based on your listener base size, a sponsor will pay you for the right to advertise on your podcast. Another example is Patreon or anything where you're collecting a monthly recurring payment. And that is to get typically more content or a community. But again, they are like paying private you. audio. Private audio, exactly. Yeah. Anything in this realm of direct tie to the podcast is called direct monetization. But where you can really start to earn money more meaningfully in larger ways is through indirect marketing strategies, where you start to treat your podcast as a marketing channel. That's where you start to sell your own courses, your own products and services, whether it's a physical brick and mortar shop, Etsy, course creation services, freelance work. It doesn't matter what you're selling. The premise is that you use your podcast to build relationships with people. And then this is where the term ad gets a little bit looser. So people assume that sponsorship equals ads, but they're different. An ad spot on your podcast is just any space where you promote something with a clear call to action, but you can use advertising space on your own podcast for your own business. You can invite people at the end of an episode to book a discovery call with you, let's say. So I think a good example to put this into perspective, it's, let's say you were a productivity coach. You share a full episode packed with value. It is not at all an infomercial. That would be the big mistake. Don't treat the whole episode as an infomercial. Right. But then at the end you say, if these four tips were helpful for you and you are looking for a deeper way to talk about this one-on-one, -on -one. I've just opened some new client spots 
and you can book a free 30 minute call with me. No pressure to learn if we could be the right fit to work together at mywebsite.com slash call. And that way you're just naturally continuing the conversation and you can pitch directly to a service call like that one, or you can do freebies to build your email list. I'm not sure how in depth we want to get, but building an email list is definitely a strategy that more podcasters I think should be utilizing because that's a great place to sell. So another way that you can move people from podcast to email list is not just from freebie downloads, but also like I have a fun quiz on my site. What's your podcast host advantage. And that's been a fun way to convert listeners into email subscribers. So I would say there's so many options when it comes to monetizing. It's just about expanding your mind beyond sponsorship because you cannot earn nearly as much money as you might think from sponsorship. Right. Yes. I completely agree. And I've been told that as well. And, um, when you're talking about doing your episodes and, you know, you might want to slide in your own sponsorship or you're trying to, you know, tack that in at the end, you know, how much editing do you really need to do when it comes to a podcast episode? I think it's very up to you, the producer of the show, the host. I've seen some podcasts that do absolutely zero editing. They record at the beginning, place to the end, and that's it. I would say my level up, what I would recommend as like a minimum is if you have a pre-edited intro that you can play and then a pre-edited outro you can play, it just makes the whole podcast episode not only feel more professional, but it gives people key info. Something I say all the time is that every single episode will be someone's first episode. So even though you might feel redundant saying your name, the podcast name, who it's for, and then a call to action at the end, it'll always be somebody's first time. So then when it comes to this call to action, where can I put it in my episode? Do I create an ad? You could create an ad. You could do a 30 second vocal read of something on your website, some business element you want to promote, and you could put music behind it if you wanted, but you don't have to. An ad read could be as simple as you preparing a 30 second script and just reading it at the end of your episode. So I don't think the production value needs to be that high. If you sell the right thing to the right person, they'll be interested. There's this interesting rule in copywriting called the 40, 40, 20 rule. It's what makes somebody purchase 40% is who they are. 40% is the offer and the rest 20% is copywriting graphics and all the marketing. So when it comes down to it, 80% of somebody's buying decision just comes down to if you sold the right thing to the right person. So I wouldn't worry too much about the production value for the podcast. I will say a microphone goes a long way. If there's one thing that you invest in, I think the microphone will make a big difference. But when it comes to editing, I don't really think people mind if you sound like a human. So I wouldn't be too worried about that either. I agree. And I mean, unless it's just like bad, bad audio or there's clicks and pops that you can't, you know, necessarily see. But for me, I feel like most of my listeners listen to it in the car while they're on the go. And so if there's a little bit of like here or there, it's like, well, it's life, you know, you know, I'm not recording in a studio. So you know, that expectation should be gone. Right. I mean, I, you know, my own studio, sometimes I'm in the closet, maybe sometimes I'm in the bathroom. So that kind of thing. Um, so then what's the number one mistake that most podcast hosts make when it comes to finding more listeners? Do you have any conditions there? Yeah, for sure. We covered one of them, which is just in the realm of there is no algorithm. So you have to treat your podcast like a business. But I think another huge one is that too often we focus Too often we focus on only finding new listeners instead of talking to our existing listeners by sharing even past episodes. So here's a specific example. I don't market the podcast directly very often, but depending on what I'm up to for my whole business for Wit & Wire, I'll talk about different freebies. I'll talk about a free masterclass that I have. I'll get out there and share the word about my business. But then when somebody opts in within most of my freebies, I recommend different podcast episodes. Then within a welcome sequence on my email list, 
I share some of my most popular episodes of all time. And so when you, when you bring somebody new into your world, they haven't seen your greatest hits. And so I think that's a huge overlooked part of podcasting because we're always asking, how can I find more downloads? How can I get more listens? But it's way easier to get one person who's already found you to listen to five or 10 more episodes than it is to find a whole new person. And I don't think that we value that as much. So I would say promote more of what you do. And then don't forget to tell them that you have a podcast instead of assuming the podcast is the first point of entry. And then I have one more quick tip if you want to get into it. Yeah, of course. Cause that was a really great one. Honestly, oh, good. I, yes. I, I'm actually going to put that one. To you. <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah. I, I love to be helpful. So that's why I really enjoy being a podcast guest, but that segues perfectly into tip number two, which is that although social media makes a big difference, I think when I imagine my marketing as a funnel, your social media is a world where most of those people already know about you. It's the world of owned media, owned media that you means that you create the content, your website, your podcast, actually any blog, your socials, those are all owned media channels because you're the one putting content there under a URL or a handle. On the other hand, the pool that most hosts don't tap into is earned media. That's where you put yourself in front of new audiences. That's where you become a podcast guest. You do a guest blog post. You speak at a summit virtually or in person. You go to a meetup group. You have to put yourself in front of new audiences in order to grow. And I think because it's both harder and scarier, a lot of podcast hosts and frankly, business owners aren't getting a mix of both owned and earned media channels. And if you're worried that you're not big enough, you're not an experienced enough podcaster or business owner to be a guest, I assure you that's not true. There are plenty of new podcasts out there who are looking for guests. So there are always people who are at your rough level of clout and experience, and there are always hosts in very much need of guests. So I would say that being a guest has been a big way that I've grown the podcast as well, but you have to partner with other people to grow. hundred percent. And I've made that, um, since last year, I, I now have a booking agent and she gets me on other episodes and, or get other, other shows. And then most of the time we're a great fit and then they come on to mine. So we, you know, exchange favors and it's, it's great. And there's been some really great things that have come from those. So you don't, you know, underestimate the power of being on a podcast and just talk. It's just like talking to a group or somebody else. It's just, it's going to be recorded and it's going to be out there for people to find, which is what you want. You're marketing and social media, you're marketing on all these things to be found. So go and be on that platform too. Like you shouldn't underestimate that at all. Exactly. Um, 100%. And there are some intangible benefits with podcasting too. Like, of course we want to build an audience, but like you said, even just connecting with other people who either I've been a guest on their show or they've come onto mine, like I've made real sincere friendships. And some of those connections have turned into really significant business partnerships and you don't really know which one it will be, but just the fact that you get to connect with people on such a real level, I think it is unlike any other content platform that I've worked with. So there's so much to podcasting that I think really opens your door to be a great partner, which can help grow your business and podcast. Now, does that kind of go into like the staircase theory when it comes to finding pitching podcast guests and finding podcast guests, like the ascension model, so to speak? Yes. So I have this concept I teach on called the staircase theory and the way that a lot of students come into pitching to find guests for their podcast is that I kind of joke, you know, if you look all the way up the staircase in terms of you to the top, it's like you to Oprah, you can't pitch Oprah. She can't even see you. We're too far apart. So what you can do is find people to be on your podcast who are either on your stair or they're maybe a step above. 
And that's the part that maybe surprises people. You can absolutely go a step up. People who are a little bit more experienced have a slightly bigger audience than you. And then as you start to climb up the stairs, your expertise and your clout level up a little bit too. So then you can say, oh, I've had these people on my podcast. You can kind of work your way up. But the reason why I like to call it a staircase and not a ladder is because I don't see guests as only being valuable if they're further up the stairs. Like I imagine some of my favorite guests who have been on my podcasts and they are people who are success stories from my courses. They're newer podcasters who were coming on and asking me questions, almost like a live group coaching call. They're just people who have real stories to share. So the reason I like talking about this theory is because yes, you absolutely can start to book bigger and bigger guests as you get bigger and bigger yeses. But I don't think that that's the only measure of somebody who's going to add value to your audience. Right. I completely agree that you have to find someone that's closer to you, nothing too crazy, but because then it it feels unbalanced. And then it, if you're not where that, that is, and it kind of will fall flat and it won't do what you need it to do really. Totally. And if they're a bigger guest, they're probably unlikely to promote your episode. So you're, what you're getting is value, but if they're an up and comer, they're probably more likely to share your episode with their audience because that's a big win for them. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of value in the up and comers or you discovering somebody who's a little earlier in their journey too. Yeah, I completely agree. Cause that's the whole key is you wanting to share and they, them sharing your stuff to, to just spread it, you know, spread the word. Um, and then I, I was going to ask you about the up, um, like how can a, fi- a podcast host find their up their unique podcasting proposition? So this is a nice circle back to the very beginning of our conversation where we talked about the fact that competition is a good sign that validates demand. And maybe people have heard of the USP, the unique selling proposition that a lot of businesses think about. It's what makes you stand out. So I tweaked that a little to create your unique podcast proposition, because again, I don't think that what'll make you stand out is having a brand new topic that no one's ever heard of before. Instead, it's thinking about what is different about you, who you already are and the way that you might want to communicate. So even as an example, talking about true crime, which is so left field from what I do, true crime was unique in podcasting, not because no one had ever talked about true crime before, but it was that narrative storytelling format applied to a new industry that made serial a wild hit. So one of the ways you could be unique is in how you tell your stories, how you tell other people's stories. Another way that you could be unique is just by applying your background and your personality, your upbringing, just who you are to a topic in a space where maybe not as many people like you are talking about it. And so I just want to be very clear that your unique podcast proposition is not something you have to earn. It's something you already are. And I think that we are all more unique than we give ourselves credit for. So I just firmly believe that it is a helpful practice to figure out like, what is it about you that you could bring to this conversation that would make you exactly the perfect fit, not for all of Apple podcasts, but for your ideal listener, because you should have an ideal listener going into your podcast production. A lot of people want to be the podcast for everyone, but it's very hard just as in business to appeal to absolutely everybody. So instead of just picking your podcast topic, a big part of this is also picking a specific listener. Imagine like yoga for teens is very different from yoga for hip pain. And the way that you would talk about yoga is very different based on who it's for. So if you can get those three things, what's unique about you, what is your topic and who is your listener? You'll be far and ahead. Most podcasts out there. Yeah. And I think too, um, I talk a lot with my clients about niching down, which is just a blah word. I don't like the word niche anymore, but that's pretty much the same thing that we're talking about just without using that word, just finding that that person and, uh, hearing that there's different ways that you could talk about one thing and it sets apart. Right. 
And so the last question I have for you is say this, my listener goes and starts a podcast and figures all these things out or starts like hacking at, you know, away at this, at this list, how can then the host create community around their podcast? Yeah, this is another trend earlier. You asked me, what do I think is different about podcasting today? I think a huge evolution has been how connected people are online. So podcasting is no longer just a one-way street. People expect to be able to somehow contact the host to somehow ask questions or maybe have some kind of communication that could go both ways. So when it comes to community, I think this is an interesting word because in podcasting, it can mean two things. It can mean a place where you hang out on social media. So it could be committing to one platform. Maybe for you, it's TikTok. Maybe for you, it's LinkedIn, Instagram. It doesn't have to be all of them. One of them where your ideal person is, it is making sure you're actually engaging with people. I'm sure you talk about this all the time, but it's not just about posting to social media platforms. It's about engaging. It's about being a real human in these social media platforms. So that's one way you can build community. But another one is to create a more literal community, whether it's a free Facebook group or a paid platform that people actually pay to be involved with. I think what's really unique about podcasting is if you imagine all of your listeners, they all have a shared experience. And so if you can find a place to bring them together, it's not just going to create more listeners for you. Although hopefully that's a side effect. You're also building loyalty because if they're all moms, you're connecting them. They can now chat about all the things on their mind with each other. And now that's independent of you. That's when it starts to really pick up. And I think take flight is if you have this regroup, you're sharing your weekly episodes, but now you're creating discussion around it. And other people are engaging with each other. I think that's really where some of the magic of podcasting starts to happen. So for the right hosts, I think creating some kind of free community, maybe it is an email opt-in. That's the benefit to you. Maybe you get their email address so that you can send them a link to the community. And then you get that regular engagement. You also get great feedback. You'll hear what they're asking. You'll get ideas for future podcast episodes or even future paid products and services. So I think there's a lot of good to come from having a community of listeners. Wonderful. These tips have been amazing. I actually learned quite a bit and I'm going to, um, re-listen to this recording and go through and take all these notes I can to, to, to apply some of these things because I've been trying to grow my podcast this year, um, in the midst of things. And, um, I really appreciate you being on where can, uh, the listeners find you, or if they want to ask more questions or listen to, to your stuff, or do you have anything also coming up? Uh, you have a masterclass or anything like that, that you'd like to share? I do. So I'm everywhere at Wit and Wire. The main places I am are on uh, Instagram and I have a new YouTube channel at Wit and Wire. And so if you are interested in launching a podcast, I do have a free masterclass. I get into some more of the details, like what a lot of new hosts are missing from their strategies, how much you really cannot earn from sponsorship and some of the strategies I recommend instead. And then it start to launch. How do you actually get this podcast off the ground plan? And if you'd like to sign up for that for free, you can go to witandwire.com slash chaos and cookies. Oh, wonderful. And then we'll make sure that we have everything in the show notes uh, for you guys to find. And I really appreciate you being on the show. And thank you so much again for yeah, sharing thank your you knowledge for having with me. Us. Yeah, of course. My and, pleasure. Yeah. And thank you again for listening to uh, the Chaos and Cookies podcast. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.